Amen. Thank you, choir. Uh, I'll tell you what, the cross made the difference for me. And uh, it's still making the difference. Amen. And it's still the answer. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah chapter 26. I want to talk to you this morning about how to have perfect peace. How to have perfect peace. As you're turning... I searched for a peaceful scene uh, to put on the slide uh, today, speaking about peace, the water like glass, beautiful scenery, beautiful color to the sky, very calm, not moving canoe and boat there. In contrast, I remember a few years ago, not long after I got my first fishing kayak, I decided that I was going to go fishing on my kayak on a windy day. I went out into Big Lake. Some of you know where Big Lake is. I was there at the uh, edge of St. Albert there at the Kinsman RV Park and put into the North Saskatchewan, not North Saskatchewan, the Sturgeon River. And I paddled up the Sturgeon River into Big Lake, and it is a big lake. It's a very shallow lake, but it's a very large area of water. And I had no problem going up into uh, the river, very narrow river. Uh, most of the rivers are not much wider than this auditorium there, that section of the river. And I paddled out into that lake, into Big Lake. And I began to become fearful. <laughs> now, the good news is, if my boat capsized, I could almost stand up and be out of the water. The water is pretty shallow most of the way. But it was not peaceful. I made a decision that day that I didn't ever want to do that again. It was too difficult. It was too windy. It was too much waves. It was dangerous. I'd much rather go out on peaceful water. And by the way, Christian, this morning you're gathered here in this place. Your desire is to have a peaceful life. No one says, I want turmoil. No one desires chaos in their life. Now, trouble comes. Chaos comes. Difficulties come. And you might be in the midst of some waves right now, but no one says, I want turmoil. Everyone would say, I wish I had peace. I wish I had peace. The disciples out on that boat with Jesus when Jesus was sleeping. I found out that Jesus and John are a lot the same. My new son-in-law. My daughter sent me a picture this morning from the airplane. John was unconscious. <laughs> Jesus was unconscious in the bottom of the boat, sleeping. The disciples were fretting. They came and woke him up and brought him and said, Hey, don't you even care we're going to die? <laughs> I mean, look around. We don't want this. And he said, peace. Peace be still. This morning, we're going to pause just for a few moments to talk about how you and I can have perfect peace. Look with me in the book of Isaiah, chapter 26. In verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, 
whose mind is stayed on thee. I want to read you another verse in the New Testament. You need not turn there. You can if you want. John 14, 27. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what it is to have perfect peace. I pray that we would follow the scripture, your prescription for us, to have that peace in our life. Lord, there may be this morning someone here whose life is in great turmoil. Maybe many someones. Lord, I pray that you could speak peace to their storm today. Lord, it may be this morning that there is one here that this week will hear some words that will bring great turmoil to their life. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be prepared for knowing how to have perfect peace even in the midst of difficulty. Lord, it may be this morning in this place that there's one who does not yet have peace about their eternity. One who does not have peace about facing a holy and a living God someday. Lord, I pray today that they would know the greatest news in all the world. Lord, that they would understand that you love them. That you came to this earth, became flesh, and dwelt amongst us. That you became the Savior. That you bore our sins and went to the cross of Calvary. That you died, were buried, and rose again. And that today you offer eternal life, eternal peace to all those who will believe. Lord, I pray you'd bless and meet the needs of every person here. God, would you help me, Lord, to preach and teach you right your word. Lord, may you be uplifted. Lord, you promised in your book that if you were lifted up, that you'd draw all men to yourself. Lord, our desire today is that people would be drawn to you, not drawn to a church, not drawn to a crowd, not drawn to a congregation, but Lord, I pray that all would be drawn to Christ. And Lord, may the message lift you up. Bless us and help us, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. This morning I'm mainly going to be speaking to believers. If you're here this morning you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, can I tell you that that song the choir sang so wonderfully, the old rugged cross made the difference. It can make the difference in your life. But if you, by testimony, could raise your hand this morning and say, Pastor, I, I know the cross made the difference for me in my life. I know I've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, but I've still got some struggles. I, I, I've still got some difficulties. And I, I wish I could have some perfect peace. Can I tell you, the, the devil would like nothing more than to disturb your mind. Number one, by oppression. I'm going to read a couple of verses to you from the New Testament very quickly this morning, just by way of introduction. In the book of Acts, in chapter number 10, we see in verse number 38, 
The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing, listen to these words, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The word oppression means to exercise control over. I'm a, I'm a dog person. I love dogs. And I, I, I don't, I'm not fearful as I should be of dogs. Uh, I remember one time walking in a backyard in a Chicago, in a Chicago uh, neighborhood. I was looking for the owners of the apartment, trying to get in the building. And I walked around the back, and there was a Rottweiler there on a big metal chain. And I mean like a logging chain. And I went out to him and grabbed him by the face, and I was scratching him and wrestling with him and rubbing his belly. And as I'm doing so, the owners came out, and they were screaming. Get away! Back away from them! Get away! Get away! Get away! I got up and I walked back and they were terrified. And they said, I can't believe he didn't bite you. I'm like, he wouldn't bite me. Like, he bites everybody. I'm like, what's his name? They had named him Tyson. This was 1994. Mike Tyson had just bitten Holyfield's ear. Tyson didn't bite me. He bit Holyfield and a lot of other people. But I, I, don't have a, I don't have a great fear of dogs. I don't have any fear of dogs. However, when my girls were little, they're not so little anymore, if we were going to be anywhere near a dog of any kind, before I let my children around that dog, I would see the dog. I'd walk up to the dog and I'd place my hand on that dog's no nose, muzzle, just like that. And if that dog would not let me keep my hand on his muzzle, if he tried to fight me and get his nose above my hand, I wouldn't let my children around the dog. But if that dog would submit to me and let me keep my hand there, I realized he acknowledged I was the boss. I, I, I was in charge. He wasn't in charge or she wasn't in charge. At that point, I'd trust my children around that dog. The devil would like to... Put his hand on your life. He'd like to oppress you. He'd like, although he's not the boss, although he's not the God, although he's not the one, I know he said, I will be like the Most High. I will exalt my throne. He wants to be God, but he's not. But he'd like to say, I, I'm the boss. I want to oppress. I want to hold you down. I, and he would like to do that to you today, Christian. He'd like to keep you down, controlling you, to put you under emotional or mental pressure or strain. Not only by oppression, but can I tell you, the devil would like to stir up your life and stir up strife and take peace from your life through obsession. The book of Luke, the Bible speaks of this. Luke chapter 6, in verse number 18. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. To vex, another definition, obsession. To obsess, to harass, to mob, 
In the book of Matthew, chapter 12, the gospel of Matthew, the Bible tells us in verse uh, 44, It says, Then he said, I'll return to my house, and once I came out, and when he has come, and findeth it empty and swept and garnished, then he goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits. Can I tell you, we obsess over things in our culture. You know who the author of that obsession is? It's not God. It's the devil. So often we obsess and we focus on things that we ought not focus on. And it causes problems in your life. I've done something that probably very few of you have done in this room because most of you are much smarter than me. Has anybody ever tried driving a vehicle while looking through binoculars? <laughs> only, us dumb, only us dumb guys. Yeah, you've done it for sure. Uh, like I said, all the dumb guys. Something about a man. You know, you got a pair of binoculars. You're driving out in the country and you go... I wonder what it would be like. I wonder if you could drive. Brother Darren may or may not remember me on the highway coming back from a men's retreat trying that. Uh, no one was around. But, you know, if you take a prayer, I don't do this. I'm just telling you right now, if you do it, I'm not responsible for your death or maiming. But take a pair of binoculars, and you try to drive a vehicle looking through binoculars, even if it's a reasonably low power, it's almost impossible <laughs> because you can't see where you are. All you can see is something very tight and very focused. And you have to see more than that to be able to drive. It's kind of like those of you that like the snooze button. How many snooze button people do we have? How many of you wear a snooze button out every year? Uh, I, I see you. And, you know, snooze, 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 snooze. And then you go outside and you're almost late for work. And then you realize that you have ice on your windshield. And you don't have time to clean the whole windshield. So you, you clean a hole in the windshield. And you start the vehicle. And you lean down. And you try to look out of the hole. And you kill somebody uh, because you can't see around you. Can I tell you that to be vexed is to obsess, to focus on that small area, and it causes turmoil in the rest of your life. Most of us in our world today, that's our life. We get so focused on something that should not be our focus. By the way, we can focus on good things, but it's wrong focus. There's a lot of good things in our life that if we give it too much focus, we get out of balance and we fall. We struggle. We have turmoil. The devil would like to do that. But I want this morning to spend just a few moments encouraging you how we can have the perfect peace of Christ a peaceful mind. The Bible speaks about our mind. If you let me use the mind, use an illustration of a house. If we think about our mind as a place rather than uh, what it is, if we think about it as a room, if we use that illustration. If we think about what we allow into the room of our mind, 
Can I tell you, if you leave your mind empty, something will move into that house. There's a word that we have in our vernacular today called amusement. How many have ever been to an amusement park? Ever been there? Most of you have been to an amusement park, but you don't know what the word amuse means. Muse, the word muse, means to think. To think. Amuse literally means no thinking or without thinking or let's have an empty room up there. Literally an amusement park is a place you go so you don't have to think. It's no thinking. We live in a world today that says you and I need a lot of amusement. We need to turn our minds off. You ever heard that? I got to go home and I just got to unwind and unplug and not think about anything. But there's a problem with that. When I empty that room of my mind, there are things that are struggling to get in there. And those things that would like to occupy that place will not bring us peace. They bring turmoil. So what do I need to occupy that room of my mind with? What does the Bible say? Number one, turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to have you look at a few verses with me very quickly this morning. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. That room of our mind, if we're to have the perfect peace of God, Number one, we have to occupy it with positive thoughts. Be occupied, that room of your mind, with positive thoughts. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking as humanism would lead us to promote. I'm talking about I need to make sure that I don't fill the room of my mind with negative thoughts. Sitting around thinking about, oh, I can't believe that happened, or, or this is horrible, or, or that guy did this, or I can't believe she said that. Or, and that begins to fill up the room of our mind. Begins to fill it up. God says, think on good things. So many folks that are struggling in their life, and they struggle with, with chaos, they struggle mentally. They struggle spiritually. They struggle physically, emotionally. If you trace it back, a lot of times you find that they allow their mind to be filled with negative things, negative thoughts, hurtful thoughts. Christian, the Bible says we need to think about those things that are good. We need to let it be good. How many of you like bologna? Any bologna fans here? You may not like bologna after I tell you this. I like bologna. I grew up in West Virginia. Bologna, that's considered steak where I'm from. But uh, when they make bologna, bologna is not made. Well, bologna, some bologna is made differently. Most bologna is made from 
kind of leftover parts. You know, kind of like a, a moose. You know, God made a moose with all the leftover parts. Uh, and then all the leftover parts of when you butcher, eh, what are we going to do with this? Throw it away? No, don't throw it away. Just make bologna with it. Uh, and it gets all emulsified. And when they make bologna, literally there is a percentage of allowment for things other than meat. There is a percentage, a very small percentage, but there is a federally allowed amount of hair that is allowed to be in there. There, there is a, a mandated, federally mandated amount of other things that I won't go into that are allowed to be there. Uh, it doesn't have to be perfectly pure. There's some other things that can be in there. Now, it's not going to hurt you. It may gross you out to think about it, but you're going to be okay. But if there was an allowment that it could be 75% of those nasty things, and you ate that, you'd be in trouble. It'd make you pretty sick. If we fill up our mind, the room of our mind, with evil things, can I tell you it'll affect you? It'll affect your relationships. It'll affect your spirit. It'll, it'll affect your job. It'll affect your health. Amen. We need to be occupied with positive thoughts in the room of our mind to have the perfect peace of God. Number two, we need to be occupied with Christ. Turn to Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. Verse 3. What do I need to think about? What do I need to allow into the room of my mind? Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And I want you to notice the last part of the phrase. Because he trusteth in thee. Christian. Can I tell you what will bring you peace? Can I tell you what will keep you from being vexed? What will keep you from being obsessed and pulled away? What will keep you from being held down by the devil as he seeks to usurp authority over you? It's when you think about Christ. You think about Christ. Think about how much he loved you. Think about the fact that he came and died for you. Think about the fact that although he knows everything about you, everything you've ever done, everything you ever will do, he said, I love you this much. Amen. And by the way, if you're here this morning and say, Pastor, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm like. God doesn't love me. I'm sorry. God proved his love already on the cross of Calvary. And he says to you this morning, maybe you say, no, God can't love me. He, there's no possible way. God said, yes, I love you this much on the cross of Calvary. As he died for you. When we think about that kind of love, we think about how wonderful our God is. We think about how good he is as we allow our mind to be occupied with the thoughts of Christ. God will keep him in perfect peace. When I allow the room of my mind to be filled with Christ. As we move on just a little bit, number three, in the book of Colossians in the New Testament. 
And the city of Colossae was a group of believers, believers that had been idol worshipers who had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and began to gather like we gather here every Lord's Day. And they followed Christ. God gave to Paul words to pen to that dear church, that sweet local church in Colossae. And we see in that text in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Can I tell you what we need to do with the room of our mind or, is to occupy it, not only with Christ, but number three, occupy it with the promises of God. Amen. Occupy it with the promises of God. Amen. How many of you know the promises of man is pretty shallow? The most shallow of all of them are campaign promises. Amen? They're pretty shallow. By the way, we're all guilty of making pretty shallow promises too. Lest we throw stones too hard. We've all said, oh, I'll do this. <laughs> yeah, I promise. <sighs> I forgot. I, I meant to do it. I, I had good intentions. But we don't follow through all the time. God never fails. Ever. Whatever he says, write it down. It's happening. When I fill my mind, the room of my mind, with the promises of God, it gives me that peace, that stability of life. I'm reminded of Dr. John R. Rice, great preacher, revivalist, and author years ago, no relation to, to my family. As far as I know, Dr. Rice only had daughters. He had three daughters, just like me. Uh, the family name of Rice died with him. But Dr. Rice, as an old man, was walking down a sidewalk with another preacher one day. A desperate young man jumped out of an alley, pulled a gun, stuck it in Dr. Rice's gut and said, give me all your money or I'm going to blow your brains out. He obviously knew his last name was Rice and that that's where the brains are for every man named Rice is in their belly. But the preacher that was with him said that Dr. Rice, I believe he was up in his 70s at the time, or 80s, just looked down his glasses and said, Son, you can't scare me with heaven. How could Dr. Rice do that? The Bible says to be absent from the body. Be present with the Lord. The Bible says that when I see him, I'll be like him, for I shall see him as he is. In the midst of, it wasn't about Dr. Rice being brave or being a, a macho man. It was about Dr. Rice having his mind occupied with the promises of God. And those promises of God kept him at peace. Even when possibly facing death. 
Christian, when's the last time you thought about God's promises? Number one, think about the promises God has made and already kept. So many promises we read in the Word of God. God said He's going to do something, and He did it. Amen. You, won't, you won't find anything God said I'll do, and God happened to come and say, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I didn't do what I said I was going to do. We have to say that. We do that. God does it. And then I can occupy the room of my mind with things that, well, God's going to do that. God will keep us in perfect peace. Number four, turn to 1 Peter with me. You're pretty close there already. 1 Peter chapter, or 2 Peter actually. 2 Peter chapter number one. Verses three through nine. According to as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now stop just a moment. That's some good stuff. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Though the, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. Verse 8, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind. And cannot see afar off and hath forgotten he was purged from his old sins. Number four, we can be occupied with blessings. Occupied with blessings. It's talking here in First Peter, or Second Peter, excuse me. It's speaking about all these good things. The things that pertain to life, the things that pertain to godliness. And we're to all these Faith and virtue and knowledge. and t These are wonderful things. By the way, all these things, they come from God. They don't come from man. They come from God. They're wonderful things. By the way, there are some things that we're given that they mean a lot to us because of the thought. Because it was a meaningful thought. Someone had a meaningful thought of giving something. But they don't have the means to give something amazing. I remember when I was at camp a few weeks ago. And when I pretended I was evil Knievel and broke my body. And by the way, thanks for praying for me. I'm not going to have surgery. I don't believe physical therapy is happening. But as I was leaving camp, I gathered all the, all the kids who were on the field. And I went out and told them I was leaving. I passed the baton to Brother Colton. And said, I'm out of here. You guys listen to Brother Colton. And one of the little girls, Brother Jason Buchertz, one of his little girls, said to me, she said, Pastor Rice, I have something for you. I want to give you. I want to go get it. I said, okay. She went back to her room and she came out and she had a mussel shell that she got out of the Red Deer River the day before. And she said, here, I want you to have this. Now, there's millions of those things down in the river, and they're actually kind of gross. They're kind of disgusting, covered in dirt and sand. 
It's in my garage. I've just got it sitting there. When I go in, I see it, a reminder of a gift of a young child. It said, I want to do something. You're hurting, and I want to show love to you. Now, that's a special gift. It wasn't a valuable thing. But can I tell you, God not only has a heart for you, God gives amazing gifts. The blessings of God are beyond our understanding or comprehension. It's not just that God loves us and God wants to give us something. God gives us good gifts. God gives us great blessings. And when we occupy our mind with our blessings, we have the song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. If we could just grasp the concept of that simple gospel song, and just count our blessings. They would occupy the room of our mind and bring us peace. What should we allow there in the room of our mind? We need to allow it to be occupied with blessings. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Verse 6 and 7 of Philippians 4. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In the very next verse, what does it say? Read it with me, if you will, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When does that happen? Whenever we allow prayer, number five, occupy the room of your mind with prayer. With prayer. You know what we want to occupy the room of our mind with? I'm so worried. I'm so nervous. I'm so, I'm so afraid. I'm so fearful. God says, we're not, when it says be careful for nothing, it doesn't mean don't be careful. It's not like Pastor Rice uh, breaking himself because he wasn't careful. Rather, it's saying when it says be careful for nothing, it means don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Instead of worry, so Pastor, am I just, I don't do anything? Oh, no. God says he wants us to do something rather than worry. He wants us to pray. He wants us to acknowledge that God's in control. He wants us to acknowledge that God's the only one that can do anything about it. Amen. He wants us to acknowledge that we believe and understand that God's way is right and that God's will is right and we can trust God and we can rest in Him. And when we occupy the room of our mind with prayer rather than worry, the Bible says the peace of God which path us all understanding will keep us the perfect peace of God. John chapter 14, and I, I hasten just two more verses I want you to see, and we'll close this morning. But John chapter 14, verse 27. We have Jesus here speaking. As he says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Notice there's a difference between God's peace and the world's peace. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Number six, and this, this seems so simple. It seems almost too simple.
But number six, let the mind of your heart be occupied with peace. Let it be occupied with peace. So often we fight peace. We, we, we almost like chaos. Our flesh so often gravitates towards that which we should not gravitate to. We, we don't want peace so often. We say we do, but in reality, we, we like the turmoil. We, we like the difficulty. We like the instigation. Let your mind be occupied with peace. Not the world's peace. God's peace. There's a difference. There's a difference. Occupied with peace. But lastly, John 15, back in verse number 11. Just across the page there, John 15, verse 11. Jesus speaking here, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Lastly, this morning, if we're to have God's perfect peace, we need to allow the room of our mind to be occupied with his joy, with his joy. How many of you have ever been to the restaurant in the U.S. called Cracker Barrel? Have you ever been to Cracker Barrel? It's a wonderful place. I'm pretty sure Miss Lois will probably have one of those in heaven, would you think, probably? Rocking chairs on the front porch, uh, sweet tea inside, praise the Lord, catfish, hallelujah. I'm about ready to start preaching again. Uh, I, I like Cracker Barrel. When I go to Cracker Barrel, I, which is not very often because the closest Cracker Barrel to here is uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. That is the closest Cracker Barrel to right here. But when I go to Cracker Barrel, I order, and I, I normally don't drink sugared drinks. Uh, I know I look like I drink a lot of sugar, but I don't. Uh, I, I drink diet drinks if I drink a soda or whatever. Uh, but I, I, I order sweet tea. Now, for those of you that are uninitiated, uh, sweet tea is not speaking about a hot cup of tea uh, with sugar or honey in it. It's speaking about iced tea that is brewed just like you brew a cup of hot tea. Uh, but then you brew it nice and strong. And you, while it's hot, you put some sugar in it so the sugar dissolves. Praise the Lord. And then you put it on ice and it's cold and it's wonderful and it's, it's beautiful. First time I came to Canada... I went to a restaurant. It was over at the Buffet Royale. It's closed now. I drive past it every day. And I said, what do you have to drink? This is back in 2005. And they said, well, we have this, this, and this, and we have a tea. I said, is it sweet tea? I'm like, yeah, it's sweet tea. I looked at my wife. We're brand new to Canada. I said, praise the Lord. The Lord hath, has provided a table in the wilderness. And I thought, man, I'll take sweet tea. They brought me out fountain tea. I took a sip of that. While the lady was passing drinks out, I looked at her. I said, ma'am, I said, I don't know what this is. I said, but I can't drink this. I said, this is disgusting. 
I said, you've got to bring me something else. This is not sweet tea. But I like sweet tea. When I'm in the States, I'll drink it. And at Cracker Barrel, I'll say, I want sweet tea. And they'll bring me a glass of tea. And when I drink it, I drink a lot of it. I'm a heavy drinker. You can quote me on that, of sweet tea and coffee. And I'll always, I used to always say to the waitress when we lived in the U.S., I'd say, can you bring me a pitcher? Because I'm a heavy drinker. And if you don't bring me a pitcher, you're going to have to just keep coming back and filling my glass up. There's nothing sadder than looking, Miss Lois, at an empty glass that could have sweet tea in it. I mean, you've got catfish and hush puppies, and you have no tea. Uh, I, I don't like it being empty. I want it to be full. I want it always full. Christian, can I tell you what God wants for you? He wants your joy always full. You don't have to walk around looking miserable, looking like, you know, the, uh, you lost your last friend. Everything's horrible. I, sometimes I'm amazed when I see Christians and say, hey, how you doing? Oh, you know, I don't know. Man, you're on your way to heaven. God, God saved you. God wants your joy to be full and you got not even a drop of joy in the cup. Why? Because we choose to fill our cup with something else. God wants us to be full of joy. When we have the joy of God, when we have God's joy, when we joy and we rejoice, we joy again, and we keep the fullness of the joy of God, God gives us peace. God gives us peace. He said, and that your joy might be full. Dear friend, this morning, we can have peace. Does that mean that everything's going to go wonderful and there's never going to be any problems and no difficulties? No. We'll face difficulties. We, we live in a body of flesh. We're going to face disease and pain and hurt and death. We're, we're going to face people saying bad things about us. We're going to face a culture that hates our God. We're going to face the difficulties and struggles of life, uh, by the way, as a curse that came upon the world because of Adam and Eve. We're going to earn our living by the sweat of our brow. We're going we're gonna to have all of those things, but in the midst of all the curse of this world, we can have peace. As Dr. Rice said, can't scare me with heaven if we allow the room of our mind to be occupied with the right things. I think this morning, some of us, me included, we need to open up the door of our mind and start cleaning house. We need to kick some things out that shouldn't be there. We ought to clean it up and let the right things be there. Most of the trouble we have in our life we cause ourselves. God wants us to have peace. This morning, if you're here and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I tell you that He wants you to have eternal peace with Him? Amen. Not through religion, not through a church, not through doing good works but through what he has already done through the shed blood of Jesus Christ by grace through faith, by simple belief, by faith in him, and you can have peace with God forever. How wonderful. We need this morning. Ask the Lord, what do I need to allow? 
What do I need to remove from the room of my mind? Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that we would have and receive and accept your perfect peace. Lord, I believe this morning that every one of us would have to admit that sometimes we allow into the room of our mind things to live there that should never even visit. And we've allowed as permanent fixtures in our mind some things that should never enter the walls of our mind. We've accepted it. We've become accustomed to it. We've become comfortable with those thoughts and those things. Lord, this morning I pray that we would look at what you want us to have. Lord, I pray that we would have positive thoughts. I pray that we would occupy our mind with Christ. That we would occupy our mind with the promises of God. God, help us to occupy our thoughts with your blessings. God, help us to be occupied with prayer, with your peace, and Lord, your presence, your person. And as we understand that, we have fullness of joy. God, give us peace. Lord, I pray if there's one here that knows you're not a Savior, I pray today, Lord, they would know what perfect peace is by believing and receiving the free gift of eternal life. Lord, would you work in hearts. God, would you work even now as we pause for a time of invitation. Lord, may your will be done in every decision made during this time. In your precious name we pray. Amen.